You're listening to Cannabis Health Radio. Here are your hosts, Ian Jessup and Corey Yelland. Welcome to another episode of Cannabis Health Radio. I'm Ian Jessup. And I'm Corey Yelland. Just before we get to our guest, if you'd like to help us out at Cannabis Health Radio and you like what we're doing and you'd like to see us continue, go to the donate page on our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com, and make a donation today. It can be a one-time donation or a monthly donation, whichever is more favorable to you. That's CannabisHealthRadio.com. Go to the donate page on our website and help us out here at Cannabis Health Radio. For those who have done so Thus far, we say thank you. What do you do if you have a life-threatening illness and medical cannabis appears to be your only answer? But what if you were a judge who put hundreds of people in jail for marijuana offenses? That was the dilemma faced by our guest today. Joining us to talk about what cannabis did for his chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, COPD, is retired Judge Doug Bench from Florida. He is the CEO and founder of Rethink Green, as well as author, speaker, and CEO at The Brain Training Guy. Doug, very good of you to do this. We very much appreciate it. Thank you. I'm excited to be with you guys. Now, COPD, I was reading today, affects approximately 175 million people worldwide and results in more than 3 million deaths each year. And that death rate is climbing in developing countries. Before you went to the doctor, what symptoms were you experiencing? Wow. Well, this happened uh, to me in April of 15. My mother had emphysema. And, of course, I, I knew nothing about emphysema, and I knew nothing about COPD, except I saw the commercials on TV with the elephant on the guy's chest, but I, I didn't understand any of that. Well, about six years ago, my wife and I bought a ranch in Colorado, high elevations of Colorado, almost 7,000 feet, and uh, had no problem with it whatsoever out there. We had family Christmases out there. Uh, we'd go hiking, we'd go sled riding down our lane and walk back up the hill, and everything was fine. Then in uh, April of 15, uh, I went out to ranch myself. My wife stayed here to take care of our horses in Florida, and I was going to resurface the deck. I was going to sand the deck on our log home out there, and I went outside and started sanding my hand. About 10 minutes later, I thought I was having a heart attack. I couldn't breathe. Uh, uh, Sometimes there's a big S on my forehead. Stupid. Uh, I went in and laid down for about 10 minutes. Says, well, I'm feeling better. I'll go back out and do some more work. So I went back outside, about another 5, 10 minutes of work, and I couldn't breathe again. I went in and laid down. I didn't call anybody. uh, didn't do anything. Uh, What I felt was... I just couldn't get enough air into my lungs. Uh, And really what was going on is I couldn't get enough CO2 out of my lungs at altitude. Now, here in Florida, it didn't bother me too much and didn't really do much exercises here in Florida. 
But uh, I I just laid there. In fact, I couldn't go upstairs to bed out at the ranch. I just uh, slept on the couch for four days till my return flight, and I came home. My wife says, uh, honey, how's the deck look? And I said, uh, um, you know, honey, I think I ought to go to the doctor. Because I had been to the doctor the year before. Uh, they put me in the hospital because I had pneumonia. Uh, two days later, I'm out of the hospital, didn't think anything more about it. Uh, but I told my wife, you know, it's been about a year since that pneumonia episode. I think I just better go get checked out again. And I went to the doctor, and he did, goodness, what didn't he do? He did a chest x-ray, did a CAT scan, did an MRI, uh, blood work, an EKG. And uh, he came back into the exam room. Gosh, about an hour I was there. And he said words you don't ever want to hear. He said, Doug, is your wife with you today? I said, yeah, she's out in the waiting area. I think she's doing emails. Well, you might want to have her come in. So my wife, Jan, came into the exam room with me, and the doctor proceeded to tell me that I had emphysema, COPD, and AGE. Now, he was trying to make a joke with that last one, AGE. Oh, age, ha, 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 ha. That wasn't funny because I knew nothing about COPD. I said, well, my mom had emphysema. He said, well... Uh, the COPD is, is mostly caused by smoke, either firsthand or secondhand smoke. And years and years ago, as a young lawyer, I smoked up to two packs a day for about eight, nine years, and then I quit. Uh, and he said the other 5%, uh, it's hereditary. So I said, well, I'm two-time loser then. My mom had emphysema, and I smoked for about 10 years, about 25 years ago. What the heck is COPD? So he started to tell me about COPD and how it was, and heavens to bet you, I didn't know any of this. It was just, It's the sixth largest killer in this country. It is a terminal disease. It gets progressively worse. There is no cure. Uh, he's telling me and my wife this, and of course, we're, well, I'm going to get emotional now. Uh, we're holding hands, and he proceeds to tell me that we can treat your symptoms and, and give you some quality of life that way with steroids, uh, and there is no cure. So, of course, my next immediate question, well, how far along is it and how long have I got? Of course, they never want to answer that question, but I forced him. <laughs> and he said, well, you know, it, it, it's uh, 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 not a science. It's an art, so we can't be positive on any of this. But if I had to estimate, and I said, you do, uh, he said 20 to 30 months. Well, my wife and I are pretty spiritual people, and uh, maybe in my long-term marriage to my beautiful bride, I've heard her use the F-bomb twice, maybe, until that day. And we were walking out of that doctor's office, and she was she was angry uh, that he's telling us that uh, my life's going to be cut short uh, by something we didn't know anything about. So... Uh, being totally open and honest with you, I came home to die. Uh, 
it was very difficult, even here in Florida, for me to get up the stairs at night. It kept getting harder and harder and taking longer and longer. And uh, I pretty much during the day just sat on the couch and watched the horses out in the pasture and was waiting to die. Doug, what was happened next after your diagnosis of COPD, your 20 to 30 month uh, lifespan that the doctors gave you? Yeah, well, uh, I gave up. I sat on a couch, but my wife, <laughs> I kept noticing out in the kitchen, she was on her computer and she was printing out things and building this notebook that went from about a, a quarter of an inch thick to a half an inch to an inch to two inches thick in a three ring binder, then a second binder. She would not accept the diagnosis. She went onto the computer and started doing research on COPD. Initially, what she was looking for, because she was, and I used to make fun of it, Corey, I made fun of her and her essential oils. I thought it was silly. Right. You know, I said right. I had an S, S on my forehead. <laughs> and so, I don't know, it was, I think, mid-September. This started in April, uh, May, June, July, and August. I just sat around, couldn't do anything. Uh, we put our ranch up for sale in Colorado. I put my business up for sale here in Florida. I was expecting the worst. Uh, I, with my brother-in-law, did a new will for me, for crap's sake. Uh, he's a lawyer as well. Then, <laughs> Towards the end of September, my wife comes to me with this brown bottle. Now, she had been mixing stuff up in the kitchen, and she comes to me with this mixture of essential oils and says, uh, I've been doing a lot of research, honey. I think there's some hope. And by the way, the doctor prescribed albuterol. He gave this with steroids. He had, he had me using a nebulizer, and I pretty much quit doing it. I couldn't stand it. It, it irritated my throat so bad that I, I couldn't hardly talk. And uh, I, I'm a speaker, and I was doing webinars and doing uh, uh, book readings and stuff, and I couldn't do it if I, if I took those steroids. So I quit, actually. And then my wife says, well, we're going to put this on your chest and your back every morning and every night. I said, what is it? She said, well, it's a mixture of essential oils. To me, it, it sounded like a, a recipe for lasagna. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it had oil of oregano. It had this. It had this. It had eucalyptus. It had all kinds of stuff. You just needed a couple and, of meatballs. Uh, <laughs> that's it. That's it. <laughs> and a little garlic. Doug, but, they're, uh, they're called essential for a reason. <laughs> I think so. But, uh, I, you know, one of the problems with COPD, if it's later stage, you're, you're Breathing, you crackle when you breathe and you wheeze, and that would keep me awake at night. And when she put this oil on my chest and back, it gave me some relief from that, not a lot, uh, but some, and uh, gave me no relief from the fatigue. Uh, so that was mid-September, and uh, my wife went out to Colorado towards the end of September to meet with our realtor out there. And unbeknownst to me, my wife went to a dispensary because she had read online some anecdotal stories, uh, particularly in Facebook groups, about people who were treating their COPD with cannabis oil. 
Now, she didn't, my wife didn't tell me when she came back with this cannabis oil that it was cannabis oil. Uh, she said, I've been reading. This has some promise. I want you to take a little bit of this every day. I said, what is it, honey? She said, doesn't matter. Never mind, Doug. Doesn't matter what it is. I said, well, yes, it does. That's a syringe. What is in there? Where's the needle? She said, it doesn't matter. It's essentially an essential oil. I said, honey, I'm not putting that in my body if I don't know what it is. So she said, all right, it's cannabis oil. Oh, man, did I explode. Expletives bouncing off the walls. I am not taking that crap. I put people in jail for that. You saw what it did to our own son for a while. I'm not touching that stuff. And where the hell did you get it? It's illegal in Florida. Duh. We own a ranch in Colorado. It's legal. I got it there. Well, how the hell did you get it home? Well, it doesn't matter. <laughs> so for uh, six days, six straight days in, I said, no. She said, yes, you are. I said, no, I'm not. She said, yes, you are. I said, no, I'm not. On day seven, she came to me with a packed suitcase and said, honey, if you don't take this, I'm going to go live with Molly and the kids down in Orlando. Oh, my gosh. You won't help yourself. I'm not going to help you either. So I was hoping she was kidding, but I didn't know. So I said, well, how do I take it? And am I going to get high? She said, I don't think so. And you can put a drop under your tongue or you can take it as a suppository. I said, I'll put it under my tongue. <laughs> I'm not doing a suppository. And I'm not going to do it during the daytime. I don't know what's going to happen. You said you don't think I'm going to get high. So that night in bed, I put a tiny drop under my tongue. It tasted horrible. I didn't like it at all. And I sat there wide-eyed, and all of a sudden, my wife's standing beside me, and I said, what's happening? Am I silly? Am I being stupid? What's going on? Am I high? She said, Doug, it's 7.30 in the morning. You just slept for seven hours for the first time in six months. I said, what? Yes, you slept through the night. So the second night, I broke Florida law again. Third night fourth night about the sixth night my wheezing nearly disappeared my wife had bought a uh, air purifier to put in the bedroom to really to turn the fan on high to drown out the sound of my wheezing i thought you were going to say earplugs (laughs) (laughs) well essentially the same thing uh to drown out my wheezing and on about night six or seven she only had it on medium instead of high and i slept through the night again so uh we just kept doing it and i had an appointment with my doctor scheduled i canceled it and didn't go and then the funniest thing happened all right now that was i started the first of october with a small drop after about uh 10 days i told my wife i was going to quit taking it because i didn't think it was helping other than sleep, because I was still horribly fatigued, and I couldn't stand the taste. And so my wife, brilliant woman, 
she says, well, why don't you put it on a Tic Tac and put it under your tongue? Well, what a great idea. So from that night on, we started just putting the drop on a Tic Tac and putting it under my tongue. And that was pretty tolerable. So I, I quit taking all the doctor's medicines. I wouldn't go to my appointment, but I had previously scheduled like six months before a colonoscopy with my GI doctor. So I went into the hospital in Gainesville for my colonoscopy, and they're prepping me for this colonoscopy. Uh, what a thrill those are. And in the door bangs my pulmonary doctor. Doug, what is going on? You missed your appointment. I saw you're here in the hospital. I'm making my rounds. Let's listen to your chest. And before I could say a word, he's saying, you know, take a deep breath. So I'm taking four deep breaths on the front and four deep breaths on my back, and he gets his puzzled look on his face. I said, what is it? He said, well, let me listen again. So he listens again, looks up at me, and I say, well, what is it? And he turns and walks over to the door, which had been open, and he closes it. He says, Doug, what are you doing? Your lungs are clear. <laughs> wow. I kind of got a... Harrison Ford kind of look on my face <laughs> with a smile in the corner of the mouth, you know, and I said, uh, Doc, I'm violating Florida law on a daily basis, and I'm not stopping because I'm getting better. Well, uh, Doug, you, you, you're talking about marijuana, aren't you? I said, no, I'm talking about cannabis, cannabis oil. He said, well, I, you know I can't prescribe that, and I certainly can't advise you in public to keep doing what you're doing but keep doing what you're doing i said <laughs> don't worry i will that was uh i think around december 10th i scheduled an appointment with him in early february and i went to see him because i wanted it in writing that i was cured so to speak or my lung he, he never would say you're cured he was just uh, wrote in my chart, your lungs are clear. I find no symptomatology of your COPD at this time. That's as close as he would come to saying your cannabis oil is curing you. And the very next day, my wife and I booked a flight to Denver. We went out to Colorado in the winter. We went up 7,000 feet, our our log home sits. We went up to Estes Park, about 15 miles from our ranch. That's 9,000 feet. We went into Rocky Mountain National Park, which is 10,000-plus feet, and went hiking in the snow. And I had no trouble breathing. There's only one answer to that, and it's the cannabis oil. I took high THC cannabis oil, and only once in that four, three- or four-month period did I ever feel high. That's because I put it on the Tic Tac without my glasses on, and I put too much on there. And I've been taking a drop a day ever since, and we've turned into a 180-degree about face on our attitude towards cannabis as a medicine. It's unbelievable. Do you know, Doug, your wife is a very, very smart, wise woman. Oh, my goodness. I thank the Lord for her daily. It's astounding. And she she's never stopped learning. My goodness. She can talk about the endocannabinoid. Now, listen, I uh, 
almost 19 years ago, started doing research on the human brain when my mother developed Alzheimer's. And it scared me to death. And I, I've never stopped doing research. I've written six books on how to improve the performance of your brain. And you would think in 18 plus years, I would come across some research about the endocannabinoid system. Nothing, nothing until my wife told me about it, uh, having it been discovered in Israel in the 90s and what the endocannabinoid system is and what cannabinoids are and how they work in a body. It's just phenomenal what she's learned. And we're trying to share that now everywhere we can. I would suspect that most, well, this is a guess on my part. Most doctors probably don't know about it. Oh, absolutely not. Absolutely not. My best friend, uh, who's a lawyer that worked for me for years and years up in Ohio, he uh, retired. His wife is a, a uh, bronze artist, and they live in Colorado, maybe a mile and a half uh, from, from where our ranch sits. She was an ER nurse for over 30 years, and uh, she's in her 60s now, and she hikes every day up in the mountains. And she joined this group called the Gray Wolves, I believe they are. And they exercise together. They hike together. And she told me uh, just this past January, she was hiking with a group, and she happened to be between two doctors. And she started talking to these doctors about uh, my story and about the endocannabinoid system, and neither one of those doctors had even heard of the endocannabinoid system. Neither one of them. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. It, it is amazing, isn't it? You know, Doug, we've talked to yeah. uh, uh, several people on this program who have had COPD, similar to you. One woman who was in hospital on her deathbed, and they took cannabis, and they had exactly the same results that you did. I don't. Yeah. I don't. Know, the, it, I don't know whether you ever. Do you ever get rid of it, or do you simply ameliorate the symptoms? Uh, yes and yes. Uh, from my experience, at least, and I can only speak from my direct experience, the, uh, the progression was stopped in its tracks. Uh, I'm afraid to stop. There have been uh, times when I've run out and have gone without for maybe three days. Uh, I didn't notice any change, but I'm never going to stop. I take a drop a day and always will. It's uh, a high THC cannabis oil with some CBD for the entourage effect. They, they help each other. But the high THC is a, a natural bronchodilator. Uh, so that helps uh, you breathe a lot easier. You know, I used to have a lot of tightness in the chest. Uh, uh, it I almost always, uh, after this hit me, I almost always felt like I had uh, uh, severe bronchitis, you know, the tightness like, well, like like the commercial, like somebody was sitting on my chest all the time. Well, that disappeared within weeks, and that's never come back, that feeling, even when I didn't take it for three days. So my opinion is, and (laughs) two weeks ago, uh, my wife and I were showing off. Well, we weren't showing off. We were doing a tourist thing, but I was showing off because we went back to Rocky Mountain National Park and we're hiking all over the place uh, up there. And I was doing it to, you know, tell the world 
that look at me, I, I am symptom free uh, a year plus later. Uh, but <laughs> let me tell you what happened. We were hiking up there and we came across this meadow. I think it was called Moraine Meadow or Beaver Meadow. I don't remember. But there were like 200 head of elk grazing in this meadow and totally surrounded by snow-covered mountains. It's just a beautiful scene. And I had my camera, and I wanted to get closer to the elk to take pictures. So we parked a car. Both my wife and I started walking through this grassy meadow. There was a creek going through it. There were rocks beside the creek. I went up next to that creek. I got down on my knees and perched my camera on the rocks and was taking some great pictures of the elk. That was on a Tuesday. We flew home to Florida, and of course, I had no trouble breathing. We flew home to Florida on Friday. Sunday afternoon, I had a fever of 103 and could not move on the couch. In fact, I fell off the couch trying to get up. My wife rushed me to the hospital unbelievably Took them three days to figure out what was wrong. Nearly died in the meantime. And what I was scared to death, it had something to do with my COPD. Oh, no. I had gotten bitten by a tick in that meadow, which was carrying ehrlichiosis. Uh, ticks can carry Rocky Mountain spotted fever, Lyme disease, uh, ehrlichiosis, which had hit me. Well, uh, I was strong enough to fight that off rather than die. And every doctor that came in to see me, I said, check my lungs. Go on, check my lungs. I need a report on my lungs. Five different doctors <laughs> said, your lungs are cleared. So I am convinced that's why the Lord gave me your lichiosis, so I could prove to the world I'm cured of COPD. <laughs> that's an amazing story, Doug. Really, Isn't really that crazy? is. Yeah, it, it sure is. Given that, you know, this has created such a miracle in your life, how do you feel now when you think about the people that you sent to jail for cannabis? I I wish you wouldn't have brought it up. Um, It haunts me. To this day, it haunts me. Now, saving, because I didn't know how many of them were using it for medical purposes. I mean, nobody knew anything about that back in the late 80s. Nobody did. And it, and it surely has concerned me. And uh, I don't know the answer to that. Uh, when uh, I started getting better, and by the way, I, I teach continuing education to Florida home builders, uh, thousands of them every two years. And I had put that business up for sale, too. There was no way I was going to be able to teach for 12 hours a day. Uh, But when I got better, I started teaching. And my wife and I counseled with our pastor because I felt like I had to make it up to those people I put in jail wrongfully. I had to make it up and educate people and maybe if we save one other life uh, you know i could get my scorecard with the lord back in the positive numbers so we counseled with my pastor and stewed over it my wife and i knowing i might risk losing my license to teach ce if i start talking about weed in my ce classes and we decided to do it and so in uh 
right around my birthday, March 30th last year, I started telling the contractors in my classes because that's my only audience. I had, you know, anywhere from 40 to 80 guys in, a, in an all-day class, and they, they couldn't leave. They had to sit there and listen whether they wanted to hear it or not. And I was scared to death, but I started telling them my story. And you know what started happening? These guys would come up to me at the break kind of quietly. Doug, my wife has COPD. Can you help? No, I can't help. It's unlawful here in Florida. I can't, I can't help you. Doug, my, my father has cancer. Can you help? No. No, it's unlawful here in Florida. And then it happened. This big contractor, about six foot five, comes up to me, a tear running down his cheek. Doug, our four-year-old daughter has epilepsy. She has 10 to 12 seizures a day. Can you help? Oh, crap. Yes, I can help. So we helped them. We got them some oil for their daughter. And by then, my wife knew if they have leukemia, if they have prostate cancer, if they have COPD, what do they need? What do they need for epilepsy? What do they need for PTSD? And my wife had continued her research to know all these things. So, uh, (laughs) oh, man. About a month later, still not knowing when I was going to lose my license, whether we were doing the right thing or not, that contractor called me on the phone and says, Doug, is your wife Jan home? I said, yeah. He says, well, you guys sit down and get on the speakerphone. Somebody wants to talk to you. And it was their daughter, Abigail. She got on that phone and she told my wife, God bless you. God bless you. She's down to one or two seizures a week. And the only difference is the cannabis oil. So that's the very day my wife and I said, we've got to help everybody we can. If if we go to jail, we go to jail. Uh, we We can't not help people. So we started this Rethink Green education and advocacy for cannabis. And uh, we just haven't stopped. Every week we do a webinar for free. And uh, if they need to go to Colorado, if they can afford it, they stay at our ranch and pay us a little something. If they can't afford it, they don't pay us. Uh, And we'll help everybody we can. And I I don't know. It might be my guilt feelings uh, because of people I put in jail. It might be uh, the Lord guiding our hand. I don't know. But I ain't stopping ever. As long as I'm breathing, I'm going to help educate people about this miracle medicine. Uh, and, and the stories are just, I mean, it's day after day now. We're getting phone calls. Doug, so-and-so is a friend of mine. He gave me your name. Here's a situation. My wife has uh, Parkinson's disease. Can you help? And on and on it goes. And uh, we get those kind of calls. And uh, we had one call where it was too late and we tried to help and he passed away. But uh, the ones like uh, the couple that went out to our ranch and stayed there for a month 
who had renal cell cancer, which had metastasized into some tumors, uh, who called us and said his tumors have shrunk and his body is cancer-free. Uh, those are the ones that say, okay, Lord, give me, give me a plus for that one, please. And uh, it's just now become very rewarding and a mission that we're on to help as many as we can in this damn state of Florida. I don't know if you're familiar with what's happened here, but in November... Us, along with a lot of other people, uh, went around the state promoting passage of a constitutional amendment to legalize medical cannabis. It was passed by the largest margin in any vote in our country by 71 percent. Then it was turned over to the legislature to make the regulations, and they screwed it up. We testified at some of the hearings they had around the state and the legislature just this past week. Uh, their session ended without them coming to an agreement on the regulations, which means there's no implement, implementation of that constitutional amendment voted in by 71% of the people. So now what's going to happen is you're going to have lawsuits out the yin-yang And people are going to die, unfortunately, because they can't get their cannabis lawfully here in Florida. They'll either go to the black market, they'll come to us and get educated, and we'll send them to Colorado, or they're going to die, some of them, which is sad. You know, Doug, in the U.S. alone, pharmaceutical drugs kill an estimated 125,000 people a year, according to a report out of Harvard University. What are your thoughts on politicians who still believe that cannabis is extremely dangerous, uh, that leads people down a path of drug abuse, yet it has not killed one person in all of human history. By the way, peanuts have killed a hundred, so cannabis is safer than peanuts. Uh, I, I have, oh man, uh, now you're going to get me riled up. Politicians, politicians, politics, poly means many ticks blood-sucking insects that <laughs> perfect uh I, I put them in two or three different categories of politicians uh i do not fault the uneducated i fault them for not getting educated but there are many who are uneducated unfortunately they have been educated but wrongfully going back in our country to the 30s when uh, corruption created the law uh, uh, criminalizing cannabis, which had for hundreds of years before that been used medicinally uh, all across North America. Uh, uh, DuPont and Randolph Hearst and Andrew Mellon uh, got together and didn't want anything to do with hemp because Hearst owned timberland for his paper. Uh, DuPont was creating this uh, new fabric called nylon, and Andrew Mellon was the third very, very rich man who decided they wanted to make hemp unlawful, hemp the first cousin to uh, the female cannabis plant that has the THC. And so they, uh, Andrew Mellon's niece married a guy named Harry Onslinger. And they got Harry Onslinger named as the director of the Federal Bureau of Narcotics here in this country. And he was a very good liar for money. And he lied to the public. He 
had articles published in Hertz's paper lying about cannabis. Uh, and, you know, we didn't have Facebook and other means of checking things out back then. So the public bought into it. Cannabis became unlawful where it stayed for, what, 80-some years mostly. And then along comes Richard Nixon and his war on drugs, and he commissioned uh, Virginia Commonwealth University to prove that cannabis was very, very bad. Their study showed exactly the opposite, that it was a miracle medicine. So Nixon and Gerald Ford had that study buried until just recently under the Freedom of Information Act. I was brainwashed into thinking it was bad. So I I don't blame them if they think it's horrible, the politicians, because they haven't been educated properly yet. That's one category. A second category of politician is an idiot who uh, will be against it because of what they see on the streets and make assumptions that aren't true. And uh, those guys we can educate. The first two categories we can educate. What really bothers me are the politicians, like we have some of right now in Florida, who conspire to get certain nurseries to be the only ones with a license to market the medical cannabis that was voted in, in a cartel and uh, corner the market on it for billions of dollars and lie about it. Uh, Those are the ones that I would like to take out and hang by the you-know-what. And we have many of those in this state. Uh, And, of course, you know, it's not unique to the United States. We've got corruption everywhere. And those guys just, they make me sick because they know. The United States government has a patent on cannabis oil as a cure for cancer. They had to argue before the patent office that Cannabis kills cancer. They know that cannabis kills cancer cells and doesn't harm the good cells. Yet they perpetuate this lie. And that says to me, I'm sorry, and I told the Department of Health here in Florida at a public hearing, you are complicit to murder. Because you know it has medicinal value for either greed or corrupt reasons lying to the public about that. And it's causing deaths. Yeah, crime scenes. And you have knowledge of that. Yeah. So, yeah, Doug, uh, I'll I'll leave you with a comment from Judge Francis Young, who was the DEA administrative law judge. He said, marijuana in its natural form is one of the safest therapeutically active substances known to man. And that's uh, that's very true. Yep. Anything you want to say in conclusion, Doug? Well, anybody listening, get educated. Get educated. Get a reliable, trustworthy, knowledgeable source of information with the truth about cannabis. Lester Greenspoon, who was and is Professor Emeritus of Medicine at Harvard University, said, one day cannabis will be treated as a miracle drug as penicillin was in the 40s. I am praying for that day and educating every person that will listen that that's the truth. 
before they die. We've got to educate. Educate, educate, and advocate. Yeah, there was someone else we interviewed that said, educate, advocate, and irritate. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. That's right. I like it. Yeah, Yeah, I like it. Doug, a pleasure to talk to you. A great story that your COPD is uh, in remission, I guess is the safest way to say. Yep, that'll work. Yeah. I'll buy that. Yeah. Good to talk to you. It's wonderful that you're educating people, and uh, don't let your wife leave. No, no, no. No, she's, she's locked in the closet as we speak. You know? I let her out. I let her out to see the sun once a day, and then she goes back in there with her computer. But if, uh, <laughs> but if uh, you know, if, if anybody uh, wants to, we have free webinars every week. They're usually on Thursday night. Uh, but the, the schedule's on our website, rethinkgreen.org.org. Uh, and there's no charge for our, our webinars, and uh, you'll get to hear my wife and how doggone smart she is. And fortunately, it'll show that it's her that's a genius in this duo, but that's okay because uh, we'll share that information with anybody who wants to listen. Doug, thank you so much, and particularly thank you so much for sharing your story of helping others. Um, as you know, that's the mission I'm on, and I have to say that I was sitting here crying when you were talking about that because it's so hard when you have all these people coming that want help and from the bottom of my heart i just want to say thank you so much for your part yeah i went to a a seminar two weeks ago in orlando uh for advocates and educators on cannabis and i was sitting next to a doctor who right there in the seminar got a phone call from his office that one of his patients had died waiting for this law in Florida to be implemented. How hard is that mm-hmm. to take, knowing that you can help them, but your hands are tied by the politicians? So we, we've yeah. got to educate. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank, thank you, you very, very much, very much yep. Doug. Thank you, Doug. You're welcome. All right. You're welcome, you guys. And that's another edition of Cannabis Health Radio. Thanks for listening, everyone. You've been listening to the Cannabis Health Radio podcast. Visit our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com, and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hey friends, I'm Brandon And I'm Saba. And we are your host of the Cannabis Hangout Podcast, an educational platform to connect with the cannabis community and share personal stories while breaking the stigma of marijuana. Join us every Sunday at 7 p.m. to gain valuable insight with different perspectives from industry leaders, growers, and medical marijuana patients. This is a place to learn so much from different angles in the cannabis industry. So tune in while we break it all down.